You are listening to a Victory Alabang podcast. Learn more about the reality of God based on His attributes and creation. In our series break, God's Not Dead. Listen to this message by Pastor Bernard Vivergy. Today we're going to be speaking about... Say that one more time. And as I go to the message now, I want to speak to you at two levels. The first level is for you, when you speak to your friends and your friends say to you, God's dead. How are you going to answer them? What are you going to say? What are you going to say from the word of God? Well, show me how God's alive. I can't see him. Oh, nobody's in my heart. Well, show me in your heart. What are you going to say? Maybe you're here today and you just come to church because it's the done thing. And maybe in your life, God is dead. I pray that God becomes alive to you this morning as we go to the Word of God. And so we're going to be looking at the Word of God this morning. And really our goal is to present the reality of who God is based on his attributes and creation that will lead us to a deeper knowledge of him and an awe of him. You know, once you understand who this God is, and when we go to the scripture and, and he gives us a picture of who he is, I mean, my, my reaction is to fall down and worship him and stand in awe of him. And the question is, how do we know that God's not dead? How do we know that, that he's alive in our hearts or our lives? That he's a reality in our lives? Who he really is? And these are the types of questions that, that people ask you. How will you answer them? And so this is, I, I was really so excited about this particular uh, passage that we're going to share today. You know, my personal testimony, and um, that's a picture when I was a university student, but I don't want to lead anybody astray, so I've cropped it. Um, you know, I grew up in a Christian home, but it was just the religious thing to do for me. Mom and dad went to church, so I went to church. I made about 3,000 decisions to follow Christ. Because during that era, they were preaching from Revelation almost every weekend. The thief in the night. And uh, that... Um, one will remain and one will be taken away. And as a kid, I remember, oh my goodness, I do not want to be left behind. And so during the night, I would actually go to my parents' room to see if mum and dad are still there. I said, oh, they haven't left yet. Jesus hasn't come back. So Sunday, I would put up my hand again. I wanted to make sure my name was in the Lamb's Book of Life. Because on Sunday, my name appeared. And in my mind, Monday morning, as I became a sinner, again, it was erased and deleted. And I thought, oh my goodness, what's happening to me? But you see, friends, oh, when I was a university student, I went completely off the rails. I call that my wilderness experience, where God was not a reality in my life. He was actually dead in my life. And it was only after about two or three years of journeying a particular path that I realized God is actually alive. That Jesus does exist. That he did die for my sins on the cross. And September 1979, I was in the halls of residence. I can still picture it. I knelt down next to my bed and asked Jesus into my life. Friends, I can tell you 
Jesus is alive. Because if he's not alive, I would not be here today. He is alive. He is alive. Turn to the person next to you and say, He is alive. Galeng. Banalo. You see, friends, as we go through the passage of Scripture, I want you to look at this pancake on the screen. You know, a pancake is very, very thin. No matter how thin that pancake is, it's got two sides. A pancake has always got two sides. On the one side, we're going to look at this morning, as we look at God's word, God shows himself to mankind in amazing ways. We can see the truth. We can see the majesty of God. And as we flip the pancake over, we see that man does his own thing. He suppresses the truth and he doesn't embrace God as Savior and Lord. And I pray that we're going to keep looking at the side where the truth of God is. So let's go to Romans chapter 1 verse 18 as we go to our text uh, for today. And here Paul's writing to a group of people in, um, at that particular time. And I really believe that this is a message for you and I today. And so we could call this book, not Romans 1.18, we can call it Manila 1 verse 18. We can call it Australia chapter 1 verse 18. The world chapter 1 verse 18. Because I believe this message is for every single one of us. Amen. So let's go. It says the following. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness by men. Who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And what does the word suppress mean? The word suppress means to squash or to stamp out. And what what, uh, Paul's saying here is that, um, that the truth is made known, but the unrighteous and the ungodly people suppress the truth. They try and put the truth under their feet and they stamp it out and they don't want to believe it. They suppress the truth. And not allow the truth to be made known. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. I love this. I get actually quite excited about this. It says, for what can be known about God is plain to them because he has shown it to them. God in his majesty has shown people who he is it is so plain but the question is how has God shown and I'm so glad you asked me that because I've come prepared how did God show himself to the world to people to you today that you know that he is God and we find that in verse 20 it says for his invisible attributes Namely, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. What does that mean in English? Because I know some of you got nosebleed now. Let me explain. This is what God is saying here. His invisible attributes... Now, the word invisible means invisible. (laughs) It means you cannot see it. 
If you look at the person next to you, they are not invisible. You can see them. Touch, no, don't touch them. But you, you can see them. If you look in the atmosphere here, can you see what's in the atmosphere? No, you cannot see. Unless you've got different eyes to what I've got. And the Bible is saying here, for the invisible attributes, what are his invisible attributes? There are two mentioned here, eternal power and divine nature. You and I cannot see that. Now, I know some of you thinking, no, pastor, I can see it. All right, just hang on, just hang on. We cannot see the invisible attributes ever since of the creation of the world. But then it says, we see, the th- we see that in the things that have been made. We see God's power. We see God's divine nature from the beginning of creation in the things that he has made. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God and give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Friends, I believe that everybody in the world knows there's a God. They've chosen not to believe. I believe if you, see, if you get to the reality as they look at life, just as Paul is saying, that although they knew God, I believe people can know God. They didn't honor him and give him thanks. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Friends, I really believe that God can be known around the world. God can be known around the world. What does nature reveal? His eternal power and uh, his divine nature. How do we see that in the world today? You see, we see God's might, his intelligence, his intricate detail. We see order. We see beauty. A God who controls powerful sources. Friends, just think about it for a moment. Do you know that we live... On a little ball called the earth. Did you know that? Some of you look confused. Do you know that we live on a ball? If you go to the moon and you look down, earth is a ball. A ball is round. It has a top and a bottom. The people standing on the top stand on their feet. The people at the bottom of the ball... Do they stand on their heads? They also on their feet. Come on. How amazing is God? How amazing is God? Do you know that the, that the earth has water? And I know in Manila you've got most of it. I mean, think of this ball. How the water at the top, we can understand. The water at the top can stay still. Why doesn't the water at the bottom fall off? That's God. We look at this earth that we live and the ball as it's spinning around. Why, do, why don't we walk around just holding on things because the earth is spinning so much? We might just fall off the earth. But the earth is spinning and it's spinning around the sun. And the distance between us and the sun is a perfect distance. 
perfect. If we were a little bit closer, it would be so mahi subraman in it that you would be a permanent barbecue. You would die. And if this ball was a little further away from the sun, you would be so cold you'd turn into a polar bear. That's God. When you look at his divine nature, the things he's made, you've got to believe there's a God. You go to places like Palawan. That's God. Beautiful. You go to places like Etza. That's not God. I mean, that's, that's grabe traffic anubayan. That's not God. If you look at the person next to you, that's God. No, no, that's not God, but God created the person. You see, friends, when we look at, when we look at the nature, we call that divine revelation. God's might and eternal. We look, we look at it, and it's called divine, uh, sorry, general revelation. But through Jesus and the God's word, we learn about God's love, his forgiveness, and eternal life. We call that special revelation. And so through life, we have general revelation by what we see. I think one of my greatest flights I've taken uh, is when I return to New Zealand and we fly over the Alps. <clears throat> and the Alps, as you enter uh, over New Zealand, is beautiful. At the moment, they will be snow-capped. On a clear day, it just looks majestic. And when I see that, I think, there is a God. That just did not happen. God created. God created. So I want to encourage you as you travel around your beautiful country, you will see God's handiwork. Not Etza, but other places. <laughs> or C5. Not, not those places. Amen? You see, the, our creator, he was so intelligent. How he put it all together. James, James Watson in 1953 and Francis Crick discovered the, the genetic structure deep inside the nucleus of our cells. I mean, commonly known as DNA. And uh, the word DNA means uh, deoxy something acid, that word <laughs> that you see on the screen. <clears throat> and the abbreviated word is DNA. Most of us know that word, is that right? DNA. Now, the amazing thing about DNA is that <clears throat> it's, it's, a, it's a molecule and it gets decoded. And Stephen Mayer said the following, DNA actually stores information. The detailed instructions for assembling proteins in the form of four-character digital code. Now, I don't know what that means to you. <clears throat> you might think, yeah, so what? Let me explain. There are over three billion genetic letters in your DNA. <clears throat> How much is 3 billion? 
3 billion is 3 billion. It's a lot. Now, can you imagine 3 billion letters of genetic code in the right order and sequence and the right numbers? Now, I want you to take out your cell phones. Do you have them here? You can take it out now. Not on Facebook, but you can take it out. I want you to do something for me. Is that all right? Now, some of you are not doing it. Either you don't have a phone or you're praying about one. Okay. This is what I want you to do. I want you to text me your DNA code. (laughs) Three billion letters in the right order, in the right sequence, and the right numbers to me now. Can you do it? You say, Pastor, that's impossible. You're right, it's impossible. Because you can't even send one message to your friend without making a mistake. And with predictive text, it makes it even worse. And you send the wrong message and then you have to ask for forgiveness. Now, tell me something. I mean, this is God. God's intelligent design and how he created you and I. That we have these over three billion letters recorded in your DNA. Come on. That blows my mind and my lungs and my pancreas. (laughs) That's my God. That's my God. And then people say to me, oh, you know, pastor, I think I've just come from some goo. And between the goo on the beach and the zoo, there's a whole lot of you. And then I've come that I've just evolved. I mean, just, I mean, look at your hands. Look at your hands right now. If you've got one, look at it. <laughs> just look at the lines. Now, mine are quite prominent because of my age. But look at your hands. Look up, look at your nails. Now, some of you don't have nails because <laughs> you've bitten them off. I mean, that's how God made you. You didn't come from some fish that crawled up on the beach became a lizard, grew hair, became a monkey, then started to shave, and then speak the Galaho, and now lives here in Manila. I mean, friends, let me tell you something. God is the creator of the universe. He's the creator of every single one of you. You see, friends, we see the hand of God making the universe it didn't just happen there had to be an intelligent design as he put the stars in the sky as he put the water in the ocean and he put the fish and he put the tilapia in the in the in the in the rivers and and the pig on the farm i mean that's god that's god friends psalm 19 verse 1 says the heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Next time you drive in, in that grabby traffic down C5, open your window, fight the smog, but look at the sky. See God's handiwork. See how God has created this amazing, amazing universe. Let's go to verse 22. And this is what it says. Claiming to be wise, They became fools. The people that rejected and suppressed the truth 
And uh, they, they think they know, I know everything. Now I'm this wise. Paul says, no, no, no. You've become a fool. And exchange the glory of the immortal God for images that resemble mortal man, birds and animals and creeping things. What does this mean? These so-called wise people, these so-called intellectuals, these so-called people who know it all, they, and they reject worshipping God and acknowledging that God is the creator of the universe, they, they reject God and now they, they, they start to worship man. Oh, I'm God. Me, myself, and I, we are the Trinity. And then they start worshipping animals and birds and creeping things. And all of a sudden, this creeping thing on the floor becomes holy. No, 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 that creepy thing, I'll stamp on it. You've come creeping my house, I'm going to stamp on you. And people start worshipping animals and and birds. and, And they start hugging trees. Because this tree is green. And it gives me life. Is that tree going to heal you? Is that tree going to be Jehovah Jireh in your life? Busy counseling a couple in Christchurch. A Filipino couple. The lady is a Christian. And I don't know what the other guy believes. And I, it was a couple of weeks back. And we were sitting talking. And i really, really honest with them. And uh, they said, well, you know, Pastor, Sunday I let my wife go to church. Not wife, fiancé. Go to church. But on Sunday morning, I just go to the park. I'm with the trees, and I'm with the energy. And I'm just like floating. Wow. And these people think they're wise. Paul says, you fools. They start worshipping images, assembling mortal man, birds, animals, and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the, uh, uh, in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, sorry, um, to impurity, to dishonoring their bodies among themselves. And here we go back to our pancake. On the one side, God, God wants us to honor him and to give him thanks and to worship him. But we get the so-called wise people who Paul says become fools. They dishonor their own bodies in lust. Um, impurity and immorality. Friends, let us not exchange the glory of immortal God for mortal things. Let's not exchange. Let's not be deceived. God's called us to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Let's not change it that we start worshiping bugs and animals and ourselves and the, and the energy out there. Friends, the only energy is the spirit of God that is out there. Man has been created to worship and to give glory to God. Who can say amen to that? Banalo. Verse 25. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever? That's the question. Who is blessed forever? Friends, the third point is don't exchange the truth of God for a lie. You only have to open the newspapers to see the lies that are happening in the world. 
You only have to look at, at people that you come into contact with and see, well, you know, if there's a God, why does he allow all these floods in the Philippines? If there's a God, why is he allowing this or allowing that? Let's not be taken, let's not be sucked into the lies of the enemy. You see, one of the lies uh, that we see is people are getting involved with idolatry. You see, idolatry is a perversion or a misrepresentation or false veneration of the true living God. Idolatry is a lie. Let me say that one more time. Idolatry is a Idolatry is a lie. The amazing thing is, how can intelligent people turn to idolatry? This always blows my mind. How can intelligent people with a brain... How many people have got brains here today? Three of you. Oh, okay. Hallelujah. But how can intelligent people turn to idolatry? Let me just mention two types of idolatry. Religious idolatry. Is Jesus still a baby? Oh, some people, Jesus is still in the manger. He hasn't left the manger. He's still there. This baby is over 2,000 years old. He's still in the manger. And for some people, that's where Jesus is. Or for some people, Jesus is still on the cross. Are you living a life as if God is dead, friends? Is Christianity an only Sunday event? You see, this is religious idolatry because for some people, Sunday is church. No matter where I go, Sunday is church. So Sunday, you put on your Sunday clothes. All of you have got your Sunday clothes on. I've got my Sunday clothes on and I've even got my new socks on. I mean, those are sobra galeng socks. And you know what? They come to church and you look very holy. Do you know what holy people look like? Look at me. And you, and you go through the motions of church. You can even clap. And when the, the band leader says, raise your hands, guess what? You do it. And you can look holy. And everybody thinks, wow, spiritual. But you know what? When we leave here, we go to the ground floor, we become a submarine. We go underground. And then we live like the devil himself for a whole week. Sunday morning, 11 o'clock service, you surface. Click, 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 click. Hello. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. And no, no, friends. That's religious idolatry. Where Jesus is not real to you. And you have a personal relationship with him 24-7. You see, for some of us, we've got a cross. I've got a cross. Look at my cross. Can you see it? He's, Jesus is not on my cross. A lot of people, Jesus is on the cross. And they think he's there all the time. Jesus is not on the cross. He was... He's now ascended to heaven. Amen? Amen. Amen. You see, when we, when we look at buying jewelry, this is the jewelry we should buy. An empty tomb. An empty tomb because Jesus is not there anymore. He's ascended to heaven. Praise God. Religious idolatry. 
The next one is materialistic idolatry. And this could be a trapping for most of us. Materialistic idolatry. What is it? Is we value material things more than knowing God. Oh, my pastor, you know what? I'm going to come to church every Sunday, but you know what? I'm saving money for my house, and I need to do this, and I need to do this, and I'm going to give money to the church. I'm praying God will bless me so I can give money to the church. And so next year I'm coming to church. Next year comes. Oh, no, no, one more year, one more year, one more year. And we put chasing wealth, acquiring before our relationship with God. The Bible says, what is a profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? And let me just say, I want you to look at me. Did you know that you came into the world with nothing? Not even the clothes you're wearing. You were, had nothing on. You weren't born with a t-shirt and underpants. Yeah. <laughs> or shoes. Guess what you go out with? Nothing. nothing. Realize that. That's why God is so important in your life. Amen. Often people trade riches, fame, popularity for the truth of God. Let me close with this passage of scripture and I'm going to ask the band to come up. Philippians 3 verse 7, Paul's writing here, and I love this. I love this. It says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, for his sake. I have suffered the loss of all things and count them rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. I mean, Paul uses quite harsh words here. He said, when you chase after your career, when you chase after finances, when you chase after having a big house and 12 cars or three jeepneys or whatever the case might be, or maybe you want to own Etza or whatever, Paul's saying, I count that as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and to be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which comes through faith in Christ the righteousness from God that depends on faith friends let me say to you God's not dead say that with me God's not dead God's not dead and we looked at three things Number one, God can be known through general and special revelation. Don't exchange the glory of the immortal God for mortal things. God wants to be worshipped and to be praised. Don't exchange the truth of God for a lie. And I'm going to put up the last slide. And I want us to say it all together. I believe that's what God expects from us. When we look around, when we see the general revelation, we see the special revelation. I'm not going to listen to the lies of the enemy. I know the truth. I know what God's word says. I'm not going to suppress the truth. This is what I believe God expects from us. To say, to God be the glory. We give him glory, honor, and praise. Let's say it together. To God be the glory. 
We give him glory, honor, and praise. Let's all stand together and let us pray. Hallelujah. We hope you were inspired by that message. To know more about God and how to grow in your faith, join one of our victory groups today. Just visit our concierge in your next visit or inquire via our website at www.victoryalabang.org or at facebook.com slash victoryalabang. Thank you and stay connected.